Hey, it's Eric Dittleman here. Just wanted to let you know before the episode starts that Matt is still recording from location in California, and we're still trying to figure out our recording setup when that happens. So you will hear his dogs in the background and also his mic buzzes occasionally just for a few seconds. Um, It shouldn't be a big deal. But one segment in the middle, we do lose his audio, and I had to go to a backup recording. But all the audio is there. So all that is to say, bear with us. Uh, It's a fun episode and enjoy. Hey, this is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. And this is Mind Over Magic. Mind Over Magic coming to you from New York and here in California. What's up with you? Yeah, you're still recording remotely, uh, and a whole lot has happened this week. So, um, you know, uh, just got some interesting news right as we got to start recording. So uh, it's uh, it's a little sad, the news I got, um, because the, the owner of the Creek in the Cave, a comedy club here in New York City, uh, announced that they will not be coming back uh, or reopening, uh, you know, Again, because of COVID and all the all the stuff going in there, and uh, that that place is very special to me because that's where I've been doing my Amazeball show for the last five years here in New York City. Uh, my experimental magic uh, comedy show where we could try out new material. Uh, we it would be late night, R-rated, uh, free show for anyone to come see us work things out and. Uh, you know, it's it's a little sad that we're not going to be able to do that show anymore uh, there at that location. And, you know, maybe Amazeballs will come back in a different form in another venue. But, uh, you know, just so many memories and things that happened at the creek. And literally, you know, like I said, an hour before we, we went to record this, uh, the, the owner, Rebecca Trent, said it's it's not coming back. So, ah, my condolences, man. Yeah. It's, uh... That's a tough one. Yeah, it is, it is tough. And, I mean, you're seeing that all happening all over the place, uh, you know, because of the, the shutdowns and everything, where, you know, some of the more fragile businesses are going to be gone. You know, a lot of theaters, a lot of comedy clubs are struggling. Uh, and, you know, the, uh, some people saw the writing on the wall for the creek. And, um, you know, I'll just always remember the, the fun times and the, you know, just thank Rebecca for giving us the opportunity because it's, it's a comedy venue and they, they, you know, launched so many careers and, you know, legends from like Colin Quinn working out his one man show there to all these, you know, these shows that became more and more successful. I know Eric Andre did his show there for a while and, you know, these big festivals that went through. It was really the the training ground for a lot of new comedians in New York and they just gave a lot of stage time with their open mics and letting people put up shows. And, you know, when I pitched the idea of Amazeballs, you know, she kind of took it seriously as opposed to some of the other venues I pitched it uh, to as well of, you know, giving me a chance to do the type of show I wanted to do that. It's not a kid's show. It's not for, you know, (laughs) for, uh, you know, uh, just that that kind of connotation when you say you're doing a magic show, sometimes people think of, especially in the comedy world, if they're not as familiar. But, uh, you know, Rebecca got it was like, oh, yeah, this is a we're an experimental venue a lot of the time. So we get that you're, you know, to give you enough time to do, you know, long sets of a variety act. It's hard to come by. It really is. So, um, 
I'm I'm just trying to remember some good memories <laughs> from uh from our past five years of amazeballs like uh, my buddy Marcus Monroe juggling fire and dropping some of the torches uh, that I thought the whole place was going to catch on fire. <laughs> which uh, see, they should have been shut down right then. Yeah, and there. I know that should have been the <laughs> shutdown. There, you know, everybody's lucky that it made it this far. Exactly, exactly. Well, <laughs> Marcus. So they used to do a thing called Week at the Creek, where you know someone there would be a resident performer and they could run their show. And I know Marcus had done that before, so I was like, he knows what he's doing with this venue. <laughs> um, yeah, we've had. Uh, three people strip on stage uh during our you know r-rated uh show uh, uh only two of those were performers one was an audience member so that was always fun oh wow <laughs> yeah uh, unplanned unplanned yeah yeah i think it was actually our first amazeballs that's how we kicked it off i wanted the performers how far did it go uh just like the guy took his shirt off he did it as a gag okay. he was a, probably a little drunk but uh gotcha. you know he was uh the performer was trying a thing where he had to talk to one participant in private so he went to that side of the stage and started whispering to them and he's like entertain yourself and when you tell a drunk guy to entertain themselves what are they gonna do they're gonna start stripping i guess uh, but we've is had that the first thing you do when you get drunk that's the first thing you do that's where your mind goes <laughs> not me but i mean some people me neither <laughs> uh i mean we've had you know people who've dabbled in the burlesque world as performers on that stage so they you know they strip as performers too uh we've had uh big anniversary parties there for amazeballs each year which always usually coincided with my birthday so it became a feature of all the past performers doing one magic effect or the stand-ups who i would book on the show would do like you know two or three minutes for these long epic shows where which had ended me chugging a beer to happy birthday and sometimes my friend harrison would roast me even though it wasn't a roast <laughs> that, those kind of things so i mean i'll just always remember you know uh I, it was just a place for me to try out new material and some of the material that i got to workshop on that stage ended up in you know my kelly and alive with kelly and ryan um performance or you know my even my fool us performance so just having that opportunity to workshop is uh you know i'll miss it it's a it was a fun creative place to be around so that's huge. Yeah, no, that's huge to have that. So the question is, when you do, when it's time to bring this sort of thing back, you know, where is it going to happen and will it be the same or should it take a new form? Should it have a different name and change? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was difficult even during this pandemic times of uh, some people who have converted to the, the virtual show aspects. You see a lot of theaters offering some sort of online version of a show and I just... For me, Amazeballs had that raw quality to it that I didn't think would translate virtually. Um, so I'll see what happens, you know, once we're allowed to, you know, have live theater shows again and um, see what form it takes. I mean, the, the fun thing about The Creek was, uh, you know, the owner, Rebecca, would kind of let us do whatever we want with not many restrictions, you know, <laughs> from <laughs> I think the one time we got yelled at was because uh, one of our sideshow performers, Jack Sullivan, uh, was doing like a human chopping block routine where he takes vegetables and a giant machete and starts cutting them up on his, off of his forearm which is always fun. Oh, but we got in trouble. Yeah, see, this place should have shut down multiple times <laughs> prior to COVID. 
But they're, they there's nothing sanitary about it. They like weird and experimental stuff. But the only reason we got in trouble was because Jack left a bag of vegetables in the back that uh, for like a month, and that's what you know got they spoiled. And it's a and, food establishment, correct? Yeah, yeah. It was attached to, <laughs> but they're separate. The theater was separate from the uh, the, the the Mexican restaurant that was attached to it. Uh, you know, but um, did, did they not serve like bar food in the theater? Yeah, you could. Yeah, but I mean, we were, that was okay. all left backstage, is what I'm saying. But we did get yelled at. I so gotcha. <laughs> uh, gotcha. But yeah, we so had there's some, food code violations. We had we had crazy. I mean, that was the fun part. It was very loosey goosey that uh, that whole venue, and we could try, you know, like I said, whatever you want, and uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know if any other venue would let us have that freedom, you know. <laughs> and and the cost was right too because you know, it was free for the audiences to come and see our experimental show and you know, we basically just uh we were just bringing in people for the bar and they gave us stage time. So, yeah. No, it's it's uh it's an invaluable thing to be able to do that. Right now no one no one really can do that in that same way. So, yeah. more than ever yeah. is that a valuable thing to have. Yeah, and I guess once you know the pandemic's over, we go back to normal life. I'll see what venues are still around and left, and see see what Amaze Balls can turn into. Because you know that that's my go-to whenever I'm kind of stuck on what I should be doing creatively is to like make my own space, find my own location to try out stuff and get better. Uh, you know, back you remember back in the days when I was still live in Massachusetts and. I had the show the we called Disillusion, Not Your Kid's Magic Show, which was also at a comedy club and similar vibe where we'd book performers just to try out new material. So, you know, when I moved to New York and made Amazeballs a thing, it was just like, oh, I'll just keep going back to this when I need it. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's not for money, but it is for, you know, just to workshop things. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, look, uh, my condolences. It's, it's sad to see that it go that it's going to yeah. go, but. Hopefully it'll find a new home soon. And and that's not even just the magic stuff, just the in, how influential it is for the New York comedy scene too. I mean, I I just had my toe in the waters there, <laughs> but like for the whole comedy realm, that's uh that's a it's a big loss. So uh, we'll pour one out a little bit for uh, the creek in the cave, and uh, you know wish everyone who uh, who had shows there, and even Rebecca, the owner, all the best in their next endeavors. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What's going on with you, man? Well, you talking about that got me thinking about the fact that on Saturday I'm going to be at the theater working on some things. Yeah. Gearing and, up. Uh, gearing up for uh, the comeback. Gearing up for a potential comeback to be announced potentially soon, perhaps in the next episode or two. I know I've been saying that in a couple for the past couple of episodes. That's how we get uh, our listeners to stay listening. We're just they're just waiting for <laughs> for that announcement, man. <laughs> yeah, the constant tease. Now uh, we are working, and it's it's a little bit nerve wracking. I think I'm actually just going to be nervous when I do mm-hmm. eventually get back out there. Not even just because of new material, but just in general, it's been it's been so many months. So it's going to be a, an interesting experience of even just having an audience socially distanced. Yeah, it's um, there's how do you get that camaraderie going in the same way that you would with a packed house? I think it's going to be a different feeling, but I'm I'm hoping that the performance part of it is is like riding a bike. But I'd be lying if I. Uh, said that that hasn't definitely occupied my mind quite a bit lately. Sure, of course, of course. You know? Yeah, especially... Especially with new stuff. 
that's not tested yet. Yeah, yeah. It is hard to, to work new material into your show without having an audience to try it on. So, uh, you know, some of those first shows probably back are going to be that experimental feel to you. One, to brush off the cobwebs of the, you know, some of the stuff you haven't performed in a long time, but also the new stuff you want to, you're eager to see if it, you know, works on an audience as well. Plus all this COVID stuff on top of it. Plus, I mean, you know, shows are opening up in Vegas, I know, but nationwide, the numbers aren't getting any better for COVID. So, you know, who knows, you know, people can open up shows and then, Maybe, you know, a week later, it could be everything shut down again. Everything's just so up in the air. It's not nothing stable. So I feel for you there. Yeah, at this, yeah, at this point, that's, that's very true. And the other thing, you, you use the word experimental, which is true, too. If you think about it, it's experimental, even just for the audience mm-hmm. sitting in a theater in this new way and yeah. uh, being approached by a server. It's, a lot of it's going to feel different to people, and people will have varying degrees of what they think of it, too. Yeah. So you'll have you'll have kind of a full range of of I, I I'm confused. I don't know if people are just going to be happy that they're able to experience some uh, entertainment in person or if it's kind of like uh, make me make me happy. Entertain me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell right? you from the few in-person shows that I've done, people are starved for live entertainment. It is like a, a true novelty now because everyone's been stuck at home, you know, going to the few restaurants maybe that they could and that's like their big outing but other than that in terms of entertainment it's just streaming things it's you know online shows or you know watching netflix so having that person in-person entertainment experience i think the audiences have been pretty good and i've got another uh in-person college show coming up this weekend so i'm gonna drive up there and again following all the safety protocols as best we can you know uh, masks and everything. It's going to be a similar, similar experience, you know, uh, that, you, that you'll face when you open your show again. So when you travel solo, like, uh, you, you do solo restaurant experiences or you just do it to go? Um, usually probably drive through at that point, <laughs> you know, most, is that right? Well, this like, uh, this is a long road trip. Like, cause I still am not flying places uh non-covid so. though not oh. non-covid times were you a solo restaurant guy um not usually no i'd usually do takeout yeah. or delivery or whatever uh, i kind of figured that every occasional time you know on occasion i'll pop in and plop uh, plop myself at a bar and order food there and you know do it that way i maybe. i did it today i i did it today i went to a little a diner type place sat outside by myself mm-hmm. enjoyed a little breakfast coffee brought a book with me Oh, I've definitely done and, that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I enjoy that experience. Yeah, and, and and especially when I'm in the creative mode too. Like this, that's the thing that's driving me crazy now during like the COVID times. Is I would always go to like a coffee shop with my laptop or a book or a notepad and just drink coffee while uh, you know working on stuff. And now you can't really hang out indoors in places really for that long right uh so it's like where can i or also like you know while i'm doing other errands just to kill time between tasks is like oh i could just while i'm out without having to go back to my apartment in new york i can you know just stay out in the city and find another place to plop down and you know do what i need to do and you really can't do that right now and it's sad (laughs) yeah it's it's a different situation and and the thing is with for example, here in California, the outdoor dining is great, but you can't dine inside. So 
once this weather starts getting a little colder than it is now, yeah. I think the restaurants it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty tough for them. Yeah. I, but I, one thing I really like, I, I may have touched on this on a previous podcast, was how you can scan the QR code to pull up the menu. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah, I've done that a few did, times. Did we talk about it? No, I don't think so. Don't you think that should stay? Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great, uh, you know, just have the menu there. You use your phone. It's all contactless. You don't have to wait for them to bring a menu over to you. And most, you know, restaurants have websites where the menu is anyway. So it just makes sense. It's like, why do we have to print these things that everyone touches and, you know, is sharing around? I think that's Yeah, or you come good, two minutes late. Yeah. You come two minutes late. Oh, can we get another menu for so-and-so? Now you don't have to do any of that. You don't have to touch yeah. it. And speaking of that, I don't know about you, I have not been sick in probably 10 months. This is another result from uh, all these newfound sort of COVID-related habits. I don't know if it's the hand-washing or the lack of uh, being in contact with a lot of people or what all the time or just better hygiene overall, but I haven't been sick in forever, which is, like, nice. incredible. That's well, great. Have you? Well, I, I think I like, you know, the, 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 the common cold is still going around. And, you know, I think it just heightens all any symptom now in COVID for me. So like if I just have a cough because it's like, you know, uh, dusty or, you know, a, whatever, a cold going around, I'll be like, is this COVID? And I'll start just freaking out and making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> but what about like bedridden, like no, in, no. in bed for a couple of days? No, I don't think. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. Um, I was real sick at the start of this year coming back from my trip over in the UK. Like I just at the yep. end of that trip, I just had the worst whatever flu, cough, sore throat. So, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say I filled my you, quota. <laughs> and uh, What you're saying is you have the antibodies is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm saying this was pre before COVID was a thing, luckily. Cause, uh, before we knew it was a thing. What do you mean? I, I Didn't mean, it come in from Europe? The earliest case was uh, reported in March. So this was several months prior to that. So you're saying I... Reported? <laughs> reported in March. It was floating around in January, February. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you should be happy about this. You got the antibodies. You're good to go. Yeah. I think there's other benefits, though, too, like you're saying, of things that should stick around from this. Uh, yes. I went into Manhattan because I needed to go uh, to the DMV for the first time. And I got to tell you, mm -hmm. it was the fastest DMV experience I've ever had in my life. I had, Great example. Yeah. Yeah. I had to. Well, it's also helped because uh, you know, one of the, the services I need with my renewal and upgrading you know, my ID to the new enhanced ones for travel purposes because i'm still optimistic that i will be traveling again at some point in the future um, i just didn't want to renew my license twice with like the new one without upgrading anyway all the semantics aside uh certain uh services they were offering you could only do in person and that was one if it was offered as something that they do online you have to do it online so that automatically one allowed me to make an appointment which was huge and two there weren't many other people doing any other stuff there. So uh, my appointment right. was at 1 p.m. I was done by 12.55. <laughs> wow. So I got in a little early, and then it was done before even my appointment started. So it was uh, bada-bing, bada-boom, in and out. And, you know, DMV is known for being a long, arduous uh, experience. So, yeah, <laughs> um, that, uh, that, was a, that was a thrill. 
uh, we have a uh, guest again. I, I probably edit their their uh, <laughs> their barking out, but uh, but uh, you're still working remotely, and you've got your uh, <laughs> your puppies in the background, right, Matt? <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, t- tangentially related. Oh, good job. Million dollar word. Tangentially good. Uh, voting. I mean, I felt like it was a VIP experience at the club. You know, walking past a line of people that were standing in line for the early voting and just dropping it off into the the box that they had there on site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. It was so easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I waited in line for mine, so <laughs> that wasn't well, any. But, <laughs> but is that because better. you didn't have a, a ballot? I could have. I could have gotten an absentee ballot, but I mean. We may have touched yeah. on this. They sent them to everybody in Nevada. Yeah. You have to request Which I think it. they might still be counting them. Oh, yeah. You're <laughs> one of those states. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Well, you got to really make sure, uh, you know, with everything going on. Uh, I uh, Related to that, uh, to change topic a little bit, uh, and we could. We, if we think of more things from you know that are positive about the uh, looking at the silver lining of the pandemic of things that should stay afterwards, uh, you know, write us an email if you have ideas of things that uh, you you consider like this should stick around. Uh, you know, shoot us an email at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail dot com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, what should stick around um, from the pandemic. Uh, I I like the idea, by the way, just talking like. Um, wasn't I'm a huge handshake guy. I never liked handshakes, so I'm I'm okay with those not being around anymore. Uh, I wonder if they come back. Yeah, like, I wonder sooner than later. But are people just going to be used to like waving and saying hello now, rather than why do we have to press our hands together? For it formality? is odd. Isn't it's it? a weird tradition, isn't it? <laughs> It's a weird I think custom. It's really odd. And then you get into like the people like where it's a, a, like a macho contest of the guys like I got to show I got a stronger handshake and you know and then you also get the people who don't know how to do a handshake and that's disappointing too and they just dead fish you and you know I'll- I I've always thought it was funny to like purposely do an awkward handshake. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Matt, next time you, if handshakes come back, I'll tell you the most awkward thing you could do is while you're handshaking someone, just come over with your other hand and just uh, touch their elbow a little bit <laughs> and just <laughs> squeeze. <laughs> that's uh, that's really weird. <laughs> what made you even think of that? I don't know. It was just something you were saying awkward stuff. And that's one of the awkward things I used to do, <laughs> just, you, what, depending you on the people, depending on, you know, like this needs. You've done that? Yeah. <laughs> Why? I don't know. You thought that was making it more more of a warm experience? Oh no no no! I do it intentionally to be awkward for. Uh, oh, for, same reason yeah, as me. People. Got it. Yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the extra wide hand. So like you spread out all the fingers as far as you can. Oh, that's so. So then weird. when they come in to reach for it, they can't even get around right. it. They don't know what to do with it. So I'll reiterate my my stance that uh, once COVID is done and we're back to normal life, uh, handshakes can go just to avoid these awkward ones too. <laughs> So what what are you thinking? Like a the old fist bump then? Uh or just like a wave or a nod. I mean So you think no physical contact is necessary for you? For, why? Why have it? I don't know. Seems like a weird tradition. I don't know. Um But you were you were mentioning the votes in Nevada, so I wanted to change subject to this is uh Nevada. No, sorry, yeah. I'm not from there, so <laughs> I'm gonna do it my Tarjay pronunciation of Nevada. Uh, <laughs> Nevada. Don't don't hate me. I can't help. No, it. of course. Well, you you're a local. You've got to correct. You you've, you hear it all the time now. Uh, but um, 
you know, uh, uh, they, they did call it for, to follow up from our conversation last week. They called the election for Biden. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a show scheduled for Saturday at 8 p.m. Guess when Biden decided to do his speech? 8 p.m. on Saturday. <laughs> so yeah, I recall that, actually. I messaged the, the, uh, the client and was like, hey, I'm really worried about people are going to be watching, you know, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden speak. And I don't think they're going to be tuning into a mind reading show. <laughs> and um, maybe I am an accurate mind reader because, boy, was I correct. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I oh, was like, no. well, I was curious how you would handle this because I was like, I messaged the client. I was like, hey, I'm happy to move times. We can go earlier, later. Uh, do you want to move the date? Uh, but they did not get back to me in a mean meaning like a quick enough time frame that I was just like, all right, I guess it's still on for that time and day. So I did the show for one person, the booker and her boyfriend. And uh, wow, <laughs> listen, listen. Hey, first of all, it happened. Can we get some props for the honesty for talking about this on the pod right now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I knew, I knew, I mean, we talked about virtual shows too, and they can be hit or miss on audience, depending on how, you know, for these privately booked virtual shows, how many audience members, you know, they can get by booking it. And I've had great shows with 300, 500 people watching. So I know those are possible. Normally it's usually about, you know, 40 to 60, maybe up to a hundred. So I, you know, but I have done shows like I was prepared for a a small number audience because I've done shows as well where they don't get the marketing out per se. And you only get five or six people, sometimes one. So I did a whole show for for two people. I, I, yeah, the whole, wow. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be impressed though. Cause I was like, Hey, think about each of your ticket prices. If you had paid to watch the show, <laughs> you are getting a bargain. You are getting a, your own private mind reader for the evening where I'm doing everything just for you two. <laughs> now, let's be honest now. Were they engaged or do you think they might have had a little Biden going on in the background? Oh, I don't I don't know if they did because I feel like if they did, if they, did if they did, they probably wouldn't have showed up for the show either. Uh, but, uh, but they felt obligated. I think there was just more of a like a moment where it's like, wow, we really are the only two. So I guess we're volunteering again. <laughs> so I think, what do you do if it's zero? I mean, do you are you contractually obligated to still yeah, do it? Yeah, I got. I'll really? be I'll be honest. It's happened. I did a show, and you and where, you still perform. Well, you can't do a mind reading show without anyone's mind to read. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I can read oh. my own mind, uh, and that's not a uh, anything. So I literally yeah. took a book off the shelf behind me and started reading a trivia book out loud for about 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> Call, wow. Called my agent. She popped in and I was like, all right. I did a couple things for them. Because the other thing, too, is these shows are, you know, I leave them up for 24 hours. So people, if they miss the live stream, they can go back and rewatch. <laughs> so, But when there's no yeah. one to participate, you really, there's not a lot, a lot to go back and rewatch. <laughs> Right. Uh, that's uh, that's crazy. I mean, I can definitely relate to the experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember playing Bryant College years ago and there it was like the only I'm, I'm 
I'm rehashing the story here, but the the moral of the story was there was basically like their biggest basketball game of all time was that night. Yeah. So all the students were going to that game. Um, in recent years, I remember playing maybe maybe somewhere in Atlanta or somewhere on the road, and like it was one of those situations where Chris Rock is playing across the street, you know? Yeah. yeah. So obviously your turnout's not going to be what you expect it to be, mm-hmm. but uh, with the virtual thing, it's a whole different. It's a whole different beast that I don't that I don't have a, a grasp on. You know, that's crazy, though. No, but you you bring up a good point, too, because, I mean, especially in the college market that we both, you know, are do I do still and you got your start in is you never know how many people are going to show up at that gig. So, you know, you got to expect and adapt to whatever happens. Hopefully, again, the school is promoting it to, you know, so that more people do come out. But, uh, you know, we've all been in those cafeterias where like three people show up and you got to still do your contract. And I think the same thing happens with virtual. I'd, I, that's why I don't understand like a ticketed model. I'm so happy I get like a flat fee because I get paid no matter how many people show up. Um, right, but, uh, right. of course I want it to be a better show and the more people that do show up, it's a better show. And I want the client to get their money's worth and feel like they got, you know, what they paid for. So I'm always leaning more towards that. So it's just a, it's just one of those things. And you, there's different strategies to try and build the audience. But I mean, when there's a huge event going on at the same time and you couldn't foresee it. I was just glad, to be honest, that he didn't announce or they didn't call it for Biden like during my show. Because imagine all those people watching and then you just see the numbers drop. <laughs> that would have been disheartening. <laughs> Right, right. And, and I probably would have not known what was going on. And just like, <laughs> like, where's everyone going? We had so many people to volunteer. Was it something I did? <laughs> oh, my God. This is like this is like some sort of therapy, this podcast. Yeah, today. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, between the creek shutdown, the, 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 the Booker and Boyfriend show. Yeah. But it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. We had fun. They enjoyed it. I mean, they were still, their minds were blown. So, uh, and, uh, you know, more shows to come. And, you know, that's the old adage in showbiz. You're only good as your last show, right? So, look. And you haven't done one since then. I'm looking forward Have to you? the next one. <laughs> looking forward. Okay. I'm looking forward. Uh, mine was so long ago, I couldn't even tell you. If you it was know, good or bad. What, I couldn't even tell you what. It was probably very strange yeah. because yeah. we were. Uh, like less than 24 hours from having the whole city mm-hmm. of Las Vegas shut down. Yeah. So anyone who was there, it was like a last hoorah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So funny. Uh, we should also mention I uh, this past week, I was a guest on uh, our good friend Michael Kent's live stream. Speaking of live streams, uh, Michael Kent, who was a guest in a previous episode, you can go back and listen to that. He does a show called Joke Story Trick. And I was the guest and I told a story, did a trick, and uh, told a joke. You did the whole trifecta. I texted you yesterday to let you know that I watched it, mm-hmm. and I thought you did a great job. Yeah. I, I, I felt like I was cheating a little bit on the podcast because I told a classic story uh, that we haven't yet told on the podcast. I'm sure we'll get to it at some point or rehash it if you, if you haven't. But if you want to hear the story, go check out Michael's live stream. Um, probably at Michael Kent fans on YouTube or Michael Kent. We'll just look for a joke story trick. Uh, but I told the story of uh, when you and I went and go, saw Copperfield, which is a legendary story between the two of us. <laughs> it is a yeah. it is a one heck of a story. So we'll, for yeah, we'll just tease that for now, and you know, 
once we forget, I told it. I'm sure it'll happen again on the podcast in several episodes down the line. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm embarrassed to have brought you there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Nonetheless. Uh, but nonetheless. Um, I think it's time to uh, change gears. But before we do, I wanted to bring up uh, the other sad news this week that uh, really affected me, which was the uh, the passing of Alex Trebek. And obviously, those of you who have been listening to the podcast, I'm a big trivia fan, love riddles. But, uh, you know, Alex Trebek was the host. You know, Jeopardy was such a huge part of my life growing up. Um, uh, It was always on in my household. It was something the whole family sat down to watch. We really valued trivia. Um, So, like, just seeing, you know, Alex Trebek uh, and, uh, you know, he was battling cancer the last, you know, several years of his life uh and uh to to go it was it was it was very sad to see um i actually tried out for college jeopardy and i'm very sad i didn't get uh on but i did get a souvenir pen and a water bottle and i did find out uh that matt uh they don't tell you how many questions you got wrong so I just tell people I missed it by one. I was that close to being on the show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, I'll always watch Jeopardy, and uh, you know, it's, it's very sad. So, uh, well, rest in peace, Alex Trebek. And I did a little tribute to him on my Facebook as well. So, uh, thank you, Alex Trebek, for all the trivia and being such a classy trivia host. Yeah. What a sad episode we were having I know, today. so many things. Oh, my God. No, but that's life, I guess. It is life. Yeah. We're going to give it a positive spin. Yeah, So, but it's time, Matt, for your riddle. So welcome to Diddle Me This. Diddle me this, diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles. And it's automatically going to be an upturn in the episode now because we got a user-submitted riddle. How exciting. Is that great? Okay. So this one comes from Bruce, who I believe has written in uh, in the past as well. But uh, this is a riddle from Bruce. I had to solve it myself first, so I know what you're going through in just a moment. Uh, But I'll Ah. I'll read the riddle. Okay, so. uh, Now, did it work out successfully this time where the right name was in the subject box? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. This is great. Okay, let's go. Uh, So here's the riddle. Railroad crossing... Watch out for the cars. Can you spell that without any R's? Railroad crossing. Watch out for the cars. Can you spell that without any R's? Yes, T-H-A-T. See, it was interesting because I felt like this was a tricky riddle, but I feel like you're so primed now with all the riddles you've been getting that you didn't even give our listeners a chance to process it, oh. and you got that exactly oh. right. <laughs> yeah. So one more time, in case that was too fast for anyone. So in, qu- <laughs> in quotes, it says, Railroad Crossing, watch out for the cars, end quote. Can you spell that without any R's? And it's supposed to make you think, can you spell the phrase, Railroad crossings, watch out for the cars without any R's, which of course you cannot do because railroad has R's in it, crossing has R in it, cars has an R in it, in fact, even the word for has the R in it, but because of the phrasing of the last sentence, can you spell that without any R's, can you spell that without any R's, you nailed it Matt, T-H-A-T, 
Did you get it just as quickly? Be honest. I did. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I well, okay. maybe maybe a few seconds more because I was actually trying to think what the riddle was asking. <laughs> but you just gotcha. You just went for it. You went boom, nailed it. Well, that that will uh, make up for the correction I have from the triv uh, the trivia I gave you last oh, week. Oh, I'm curious about that because. Uh, but before we do, if you want to be like Bruce and email a riddle, I'm and uh, I'm gonna say now that Matt's been getting these riddles. Uh, send me some hard ones. Send me some toughies that you don't think he's gonna get. He's already primed now for these wordplay ones, I think, or or twisting meanings around. But if you got a new type of riddle, you know, let me know. Email me, put my name in the uh, subject line, and say Eric Riddle, uh, so I know to read it, and Matt will not read it. Uh, but uh, email us at mindovermagic podcast at gmail.com i forgot our email for a second mind over magic podcast at gmail.com is the correct email address but uh yeah what remind me of the question last week and what is the 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 correction you have matt you know that little ding that you played when i got the riddle correct that one yeah yeah could you just play it one more time but i want you to really bask in it okay yeah that that's for you yeah the, uh, the question I gave you last week, uh, we gave you the buzzer and said you were wrong. Turns out there was no correct answer given in the options that I had given you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, remind the question for the listeners who didn't hear it. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing here, but the question, question was along the lines of how many presidential candidates have unsuccessfully run for a second term. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and I had found the answer because I had sort of come up with this question manually. I, I went through a list mm-hmm. and tried to count how many there were right. based on which ones had an asterisk next to their name. So the option I thought was the correct answer was more than 10. Mm-hmm. And I heard on the news that the answer is 10. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So in a few months, more than 10 <laughs> is potentially correct. Right. But I believe the answer was 10, hmm. which was not given as one of the four options. No. Therefore, it is a trick question, and you win. Yay! Uh, and it's uh, very appropriate that you did that. Uh, you messed that so royally on the episode we titled Episode of Corrections. <laughs> yes. So, which, with that Which is funny out, because I also got the name of the book wrong and had to put it in the show notes correctly. <laughs> <laughs> with that conscious cleared I, I couldn't wait to record today to at least get that out there that i that i messed that up i felt pretty guilty about it great um <laughs> we will move on to our uh trivia for the day sure. matt picks up the question then he stares at it eric's at the ready time to use his wit pressure 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 trivia pressure trivia We're going to do Jeopardy style in honor of Alex Trebek. Lovely. I love it. So no options. I'm going to throw you. I've got various categories. So it'll be kind of great. Kind of kind of rapid fire. This shouldn't be like a sit and think about it for too long. It should be as if you have two people competing against Mm -hmm. you that you want to get the answer first. Great. And uh, I'll form my answer in the phrase of a question. Yes, please. And do you want to choose the category or because I have one question for each category? Yeah, yeah. I'll choose the category. Give it to me. What are the categories? All right, we have web web websites, okay, colleges and universities, mm-hmm. 
baseball teams mm-hmm. and video games. And I have one question for each category, and these are actual questions from the Jeopardy practice test. Oh, okay, great, uh, perfect. Uh, well, I got to start with video games. I actually got this one correct. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> uh, and it was a guess. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Breath of the Wild was the 2017 installment for this legendary series. What is The Legend of Zelda? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, let's go um, websites. Websites. After a frustrating day of shoe shopping at the mall... Nick Swimmern founded this website. Nick Swimmern? S-W-I-N-M-U-R-N. Oh, boy. After a um, unsuccessful... After a, frust- after a frustrating day of shoe shopping at the mall... Oh, shoe shopping. Nick's- I know. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. it, what is Zappos? That is correct. Uh, I didn't hear the shoe part the first time. <laughs> um, Gotcha. Let's do colleges and universities. Was that one of the categories? It was. Okay. I got this one. Now, I'll be very sad if I don't get this because, I mean, this is a market I work in, but uh, we shall see. <laughs> Go on. It's also uh, it's also pretty close to home. Located in Rhode Island, mm-hmm. it's alphabetically first among Ivy League schools. Oh, uh, what is Brown? Yes, sir. And that leaves us with baseball. This West Coast team has won three World Series since the year 2000. That's the whole question? <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. They won three, so I don't think it's – oh, boy. I don't know if I'm going to get this one. I should have started with this and then ramped up. <laughs> you want to hear it once yeah, more just to make me, sure you have the details? More, yeah. This West Coast team has won three World Series since the year 2000. It's the year 2000. Oh, West Coast. So we got Mariners. Probably not them. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Dodgers. Didn't they just win? I'm not sure. Uh, I really did not follow baseball at all this year in the COVID times either. And I can't remember any baseball season individually. I got the Giants. Uh, I'll just say, I don't know. What are the Dodgers? That was my answer, but the answer is Giants. The the one you just said previously. I was going to say Giants. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, three out of four ain't bad. Three out of four. That puts me in the top 25 percentile, maybe. I don't know. We're just making this all up. (laughs) But uh, boom. In honor of Alex Trebek. Yes, that was a lovely tribute. I appreciate that. I love a good game of Jeopardy. So Fantastic. Yeah. Um, m- moving on, I saw one of the things you had on the your note to me was about the ethics and magic and given the mind over magic uh, title here. I'd love to I'd love to dive into this with you. What do you got? Yeah, absolutely. It was just um, you know something that was been on my mind lately. Seeing some of these virtual shows I've been in attendance with, where um, there's there's a lot of things in magic that are kind of iterations of each other, and there's a good way to go about choosing material and there's a poor way about going and choosing material and uh you know this ties in you know kind of with the the creek and the one foot i've had in the comedy world too because this is always something i like talking about because it's kind of approached differently you see it a kind of better policed i think in the comedy world where you know someone does a routine 
um, whether a joke in the comedy world or, you know, a magic effect in our magic world. And, um, you know, you then see someone else do something very, very similar. And finding the right way to navigate that stuff. Uh, I personally like to give people the benefit of the doubt because in the magic world, you know, we are kind of brought up by opening uh, a magic book and it has the script and the presentation there for you. It's given to you. And the hard part is people don't take it and make it their own. So they're just repeating what they saw or saw another performer do. And it, it makes it more, they think it's more okay to do that when they perform. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I'm curious where your thoughts are there. Cause I have, I have a lot of thoughts, but they're obviously all over the place right now. <laughs> but, uh, uh, where, where do you see the ethics in being inspired by someone's ideas, uh, versus getting permission to get uh, to do their idea versus just blatantly, seeing someone and taking it for themselves because I think there is a fine line on either side of those. I agree it's better policed in comedy. I believe it's uh, better policed in music. I mm -hmm. believe it's probably better policed in all things except for maybe television. Yeah. A successful show comes out, it seems like another network or another production company pretty much tries to duplicate it and that's been happening for many years. Absolutely. Do their own version of it. Yeah. 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 Once the concept it's is out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had an interesting discussion with, with Kaylin Morelli about this just a couple of days ago. Sure, yeah. And do you know Kaylin? I know of Kaylin, uh, great magic creator, good and really, yeah. really, really clever creator, and uh, has a great ideas. And uh, I believe I pitched one of his things to you for one of your AGT appearances, which never ended up happening, but... Um, Gotcha. Yeah, with his yeah, he's a he's a great creator of, of, of methods in particular. Mm -hmm. He 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 has an Instagram account. I think it might be called at the Nothing Project, where he's sharing really interesting dialogue, really starting a conversation about ethics and magic. And uh, he and I went back and forth because sometimes whenever I read a book on magic theory or things like that, I I have to read it with a pencil in my hand because I always have an opinion. Uh, either I'm agreeing enthusiastically or, or maybe disagreeing with something. So when he starts writing these sort of ideas on theory, I, I immediately want to write back to it. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So so we got into a conversation, and this is so funny. He's I don't know if he's uh, he's around our age. I don't know if he's a little bit younger than me. I'm not sure. Um, but like immediately he starts sending me messages. I don't even know you could do this like through Instagram DM where you record your voice and it just instantly sends. Oh yeah. 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 So, so we're having a phone conversation basically with these little voice memos that we're sending back and That's forth. That's great. Anyway, we, we got pretty into it in a, in a great way. I think the dialogue he's putting out there is super important. Mm -hmm. One of the things he said was, what is the threshold of what you need to add something to, what you need to improve upon an idea in order to claim any ownership over said idea. Sure, yeah. So let's just take an example. Let's say the Ed Marlowe snap change, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're not improving it by, what is the percentage? 40%? Right. Maybe? Before you can say, here's something I've added to it. I mean, if you're only making subtle changes that are improving it in your hands 20% better, 
it's not really your handling of the Ed Marlowe snap change at that point. Isn't it just still the Ed Marlowe snap change, right? Right. If you're adding just one little touch, you, you see this all the time, especially with magic releases and products in the magic world where it's like, I added this one little move and I'm re-releasing this effect that's been out there. It's like, no, you just have your own little take on how you've adapted it to fit your needs, but you haven't changed the core principle per se. And this is really, you're just releasing something that's already out on the market. Yeah, I think when it comes to releasing something, the the uh, <laughs> the, the threshold should be much higher. Yeah, yeah. Than than even thirty to forty percent. But in order to like feel something, feel like you've improved upon something, I feel like thirty to forty percent. I feel like I agree with that. Might be a decent starting place. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, it's it depends on what you're doing it for. I mean, the way kind of magic is sold and people learn it. You again, you're learning it from books. So if you're then or, or books or releases or DVDs or whatever it is, but you're taking that information. And if you're then just performing it verbatim, sure, technically you're allowed to do that because you bought the thing, you got the right to perform it, unless, of course, rights are reserved, which happens sometimes too for like television performance and broadcast. But if you're just doing it, sure, you're doing the bare minimum, you're allowed to do it. Hopefully you've adapted it to fit your personality. But again, do you can you claim ownership if you're just changing, you know, a handling, especially to behind method. If you're just changing one little thing of the method, because method is usually hidden from the audience as well. I'm, right. I'm always more focused on presentation when it comes to that, when you're not adding your own self into a presentation and finding a, a new route to do something uh, that's your own. That's when it gets more in line with the comedy stuff with me because you know comedians are writing their own jokes and their own materials and we see so many times people using hack jokes and all this all the same types of jokes in the magic world are using the same premises to tell a story around you know you know how many people are doing gambling routines that all feel the same you know because they're using the same Mm -hmm. gambling story um that's where i think there's a line and i'm also curious to ask your opinion on this because then you get in the weeds kind of in between those where maybe each individual part of a presentation or routine or trick or whatever you want to call it isn't unique in itself, but in the way that it's been put together, that is unique in itself. So the sequence, yeah, a sequence. So the fact of using, you know, uh, a cloth to reveal something might not be unique in itself, but the way you've used it and adapted it and put it in that specific context is unique uh and i mean this all stemmed this discussion from watching a show and seeing something and it's just when you get that feeling of this is someone else's it's like do you have the obligation as a viewer as someone in the industry to mention something to the performer or the creator that you think that they took it from i'm just curious where you stand on that uh (laughs) <laughs> what your duty is if you're not involved and you just happen to see it happening like if you you're matt franco you're watching a magic show you know you mm-hmm. have a whole knowledge of magic behind you you see mm-hmm. a performer and you're like that's someone else i saw someone else who created that or came up with that presentation do you say something to the performer you saw lift it or do you say something to the creator who originally created it where do you stand on that uh, it depends how knowledgeable I am on the exact situation. There yeah. have been instances where I've called out people uh, 
taking something that that I believe to be somebody else's. It's a little bit of an area of like if I don't know if it's a marketed thing right. or this or that, I might I might need to do a little research. But mm-hmm. if I know something is so and so's, I I wouldn't be afraid to say something, um, even if it wasn't stolen from me. Right. 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 Uh, an interesting thing. I mean, well, I was, Kaylin is certain. Oh, I was just gonna say. So, so in my situation with that too, as I'll also give that, like I was saying earlier, give that performer the benefit of the doubt that they reached out to the creator and asked for permission right. to do that. That's what yeah. I mean. If I don't have information on, I'd have to really know this is so and so's, and they don't want someone right. else doing it. I'd have to really mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. Um, the I think that another thing that is wrong is that if you th- this is becoming more and more popular, of course, because of the internet. So one of the things Kayla and I were talking about is how there are a lot of creators out there who are creating new methods, mm-hmm. but not putting it out there because then it just it gets used and abused on the internet, right? Sure. So even if you p- put out an idea, but you don't reveal the method, but internet sleuths work it out, it doesn't mean it's now theirs. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's that's the key thing. So a lot of the really, really talented creators, well, first of all, <laughs> there are two parts to this. Kalen was saying a lot of the talented creators he knows won't put it out there because of the theft, right? right. I say there is a whole other chunk of creators that happen to be from the generation before us, those who are most knowledgeable in our craft that just aren't using the internet as their means of getting it out there anyway. Right, yeah. So that's the other reason we're not seeing it put out in that mm-hmm. medium. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff is out there, but I don't blame people for not wanting to uh, put it out there in a way that it's just so easily not po- policed. There's no way to, how do you, that's the problem, right? It's like well, getting those methods out there is part of how we move our, the art forward, the craft forward. But once you put it out there, it also can diminish it too. Right. Well, there's a there's a thing about um, you know there's again old adages keep coming up, uh, <laughs> but uh, they used to say if you want someone if you wanted to protect an idea, put it into print, right? <laughs> because it was uh, if people mostly weren't reading it. You know, r- r- if you wanted to hide a method, put it in print. I think was the the phrase because people aren't reading the books per se, and you know, but it does give you the opportunity to lay claim to the idea if it is published. So people then read, uh, eventually could find the idea and then take it and use it and so forth. But oftentimes along your point of people, the creators that don't release things, uh, that happens with uh, with presentations too, where someone sees something, they, they didn't publish it, but they still feel like they, like some, again, unethical performers see this and feel like they still have rights because they saw it, or like you said, could work it out and they can put it into their show. And I think a performer really lays claim to an idea by using it. So if you are using it, whether you're performing it in a show or casually amongst friends, even if you don't publish it, it's still your idea. That's the creative IP behind it, right? And I think just too many, too many magicians are quick to feel claim or it, it, it ties into the other problem with a lot of creativity is sometimes you might see something and get inspired by it and then forget and then you kind of reinvent it in your own mind. <laughs> Right. So then that osmosis, then it's not. Yeah, exactly. Then it's not an intentional act of theft or borrowing, but it's a subconscious unintended, you know, and that's where some independent creation can sometimes come from, too, where it's like I created this idea independently. It was like, well, really, you um, 
you saw it from here. And I think that's a big, uh, I was talking to a lawyer friend about this uh, too, just recently, uh, just in casual conversation. He, sa he says the big thing with copyright laws is access. So if you can prove that you had access to this information prior and that's where the idea came from, that's, that's a big win for whoever is trying to secure their copyright idea. So I don't know. Yeah, a lot of what you see now on the internet, like someone will share something and it'll say inspiration from so-and-so. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not really inspiration. It's <laughs> you're doing exactly the effect that that person created. And then one of these like magic accounts, just like a, uh, what do you call those accounts? Like an account that just shares random other videos. Yeah. There's a name like for a that. Like a compilation account or something. Yeah. yeah. Then they don't ever go back and put in the caption the original source that they said the mm -hmm. inspiration was by, right? So then you see that with memes I all the know. time. Is you know I see it with com comedians jokes and they same. The, you yeah. know someone on Twitter will post something and oftentimes they'll cut off the person's handle who said it, you know, or right. you know they'll take the joke and just repurpose it as their own. It happens all the time. Uh, the classic example too is uh, going back to hack jokes. Is you saw it all the time in in. Um, and magicians i saw this growing up of people pulling out a pen that was attached to a chain and saying you like my pen i got it from my bank and i was like this is the hackiest joke ever and i didn't realize until i saw gary shandling do it that it was his bit you know right <laughs> i was like right. i would have loved to have known this is a gary shandling bit you know right uh, but yeah i just think it's a it's a it's a tricky line to navigate because people are, I think are a little too quick to claim, want to claim um, that they created something and put it out into the magic world and be like, Oh, I created this brand new method for, you know, uh, making you choose one card out of four. And it's like, well, yeah, if you had done your research, you would also know this product was out there two years ago <laughs> and it's been or, under or 25, or 25 or years or a hundred years ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think just people want to put their stamp. I think it may be, be maybe an ego thing too, or they just don't realize they reinvented the wheel because there's plenty of stuff I came up with too that I'm just hesitant to put out and publish because I'm just, I usually err on the side of assuming it's already been out there and I just re recreated yeah. something. I mean, if you pick up a deck of cards and you come up with a move, just just assume it's Ed Marlowe's. I mean, that's where I'm at. Just assume Ed Marlowe already published it. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, too, if you are putting things into a show or especially if you're doing it on TV, I think it's uh, better to check with the creator and ask permission. I did that for every single TV thing I did. Uh, if I had an idea that was inspi literally inspired off of something or was like, I want to use this method in a new context, I'll, even though the audience never sees the method, I'm still going to that creator and saying, hey, can I use your method? Just because most are going to say yes. You know, they're happy to be like, cool. Or, or in one case, they're like, yeah, it's in print. You can use it. You didn't have to ask. But it says that a lot mm -hmm. that you did because you're trying to go about it the right way. So I think if you are ever questioning, you know, I think that's the best way to go about it is to, to ask permission. Uh, and, you know, again, strive to make things your own. Uh, the way that I know things can be unique to me is if I can add a personal story or something unique about me into the presentation itself because there is only one me. Uh, and uh, that way... No one else can copy what I'm doing. Some some of the jokes that I do are so specific to me that if I saw someone else do it, it'd be so obvious. <laughs> that's like, that doesn't work for you because that's not you. 
And uh, and uh, the other thing I just wanted to point out was uh, I talked to my buddy Harrison about this a lot, and he has a great way to discerning, uh, you know, when these independent uh, creation ideas come up or he's like, just ask someone how they created it. Because if they don't have a story of where that seed came from and leading all the way, and yeah. if at any point in their story they said, I saw someone else do it, then it's a clear sign that it's not their original idea. So, Yeah, very very good point. Very good way of looking at it. Uh, I, I, I have had things lifted from me, like verbatim. Like, I don't, Have I ever shown you or talked to you about like Romania's Got Talent? Uh, <laughs> no, but I literally did. Yeah, I've heard about that kind of stuff because I saw there was like a whole, I mean, even the other Vegas performer, Piff, when you had another guy come out in a dragon costume, you know, in some yeah, foreign country. Yeah, we've seen examples yeah. of different, yeah. So, so wait, what like is this one that the they finale. lifted from you? <laughs> so it was it was literally my finale performance of America's Got Talent. Wow. The the And I had a human deck of cards on stage and did a version of Out of This World with people. Mm-hmm. And move for move, bit for bit, it was yeah. uh, in another language, but identical to that yeah. performance that they had uh, someone on Romania's Got Talent do. It's a weird feeling to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always think that anytime there's some sort of uh, theft, uh, someone who does that on a regular basis, I think that the ceiling has to be pretty low for uh, right. where they can go with, with just with, with that sort of shortcut. And, and it's happened to me, too, where, you know... Uh, I th- I think there's some creativity of discovering material that works for you as well. And I've, you know, brought a couple of pieces to the forefront. Then people then saw me doing it and be like, oh, I'm going to start doing that too. And yeah, I maybe didn't invent the methods behind those pieces, but I did do a lot of research to find things that fit me. So they wouldn't have found it if I hadn't been doing it per se. <laughs> and I think there's some mm-hmm. creativity in that. And that's happened to me where I start seeing other performers doing similar stuff. And I'm just like, well, all right, how much do I want to fight this? Is it worth the effort? And to me, sometimes it's just like, well, I'm going to let them have it. I'll find something else. I'm a creative enough person that I'll, I'll, I'll be able to always continue creating new stuff. So, Yeah, yeah. It goes back to the sequence thing you were talking about. Like you might take this, you might be working on an idea and then find – Maybe not create, but find the perfect method and apply it in a mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. that wasn't done previously. Yeah. Application and choosing the right method for the right effect at the right timing. I mean, all those things are so important in the act of designing right. a uh, performance. And we're also, to be fair, because the, a lot of these little quibbles come up in this industry we're talking about things that are more like you're saying with the Kalen Morelli stuff, like more than, you know, 10% changes. Like you're saying 30 to 40% changes because again, someone will release some, something and then with a, with a pack of red cards, they'll be like, well, I changed it to blue back cards. That's the old, you know, gag to making fun of these stupid disputes is like changing just a little bit when it really hasn't changed anything that really affects the overall effect. So yeah, if if it's if it's less than thirty percent, don't say inspired by. Say this is this, right? Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I kind of agree with that. I yeah. think that's a really good starting point. I think uh, I don't know, pay attention to. I think it's the at the nothing project or something. We'll correct it in the show notes or something. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting if yeah. you're into magic and into methods and creation. And I think it's uh, opens up an interesting dialogue that we could all use more of. Yeah. I think, you know, it's all 
comes down to being a good person and you know like i said assuming that you're not the first to come up with these ideas per se and if you do have a truly original idea you know that's when you put it out or you know a revolutionary touch to an old idea that you know really improves it that's when i think you should go to market because uh, you just to think of it in terms of real inventors you know they real inventors have patents and they're filed with the government and you know, there's all these disputes that go over IP stuff like that, <laughs> intellectual property. And to really, truly make a new invention is hard because so much has already been invented. So much is already out there in our art form and in, in, in magic books and mentalism books and stuff like that. So I just assume, oh, I maybe haven't read that book yet <laughs> for that new idea I came up with. And that's why... Uh, as absolutely. And for me, as a creator, that's why I tend to focus more on creating, you know, presentations that are going to, you know, be mine rather than methods. But I think this is something to be wary of. I'm sure it's not going to be the last time we talk about ethic, but I think it is a fascinating topic in, in art. And, I mean, we haven't even dived into, like, Teller fighting this in the court of law for people who've ripped off... His uh his shadows routine, which someone just s took, started performing, and I think marketed too, right? <laughs> they tried to sell his routine, and I think the the courts approved in Teller's favor or ruled in Teller's favor because they they kind of took the choreography because you can't mark you can't patent a magic method, but you can patent you know or at least show that you invented the choreography behind the move, which is I don't know, it's very interesting stuff. Detailed stuff. Very detailed. Definitely, definitely interesting, and uh, more more to be discussed on that yeah. for sure. Yeah, but we have uh, we should get to our goals. How'd you do with your goals last week, Matt? Well, I took a look at this note you sent me, and you had my goals as. Uh... I may have added a few goals because I don't think you remembered. I wanted you to watch Star Wars: <laughs> Return of the Jedi. And, uh, that was your goal for me. That was my goal <laughs> for you. <laughs> and I and I didn't um, get to ask you about uh, your thoughts. Uh, just give me the quick thoughts on Empire Strikes Back because uh, that's my I think my favorite Star Wars movie. Oh man, uh, I don't want to. I'm going to alienate about <laughs> eighty-five to ninety percent of the listeners here. Uh, no, I mean I guess sci-fi is just really not for me. Oh no, no. Whoa, no, I just alienated you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> podcast over. Uh, it was a good run, just like uh, a maze balls creak of the cave. <laughs> no. I'm out. It's just mind over from yeah. now on. <laughs> like you said last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, it's just, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to get into the sci-fi. It's hard for mm -hmm. me to, it's a lot to take in. Don't forget, too. Now, this is such an iconic movie series uh, trilogy, yeah, legendary thing. So, for me, when you ask me what I thought of it, I have to like remember back, like, or sure. what was it about? What did I see? To me, these it's like when you watched a movie two weeks ago that was like just a random rom com, <laughs> and you, and if I asked you what was Owen Wilson's character's name, yeah, you'd go, uh, I'm not sure. Was it Chuck? Was it Charlie? And you don't remember? That's how I am about the Star Wars thing. Right. Even though I'm everyone like, in the world knows <laughs> knows the details. Well, I will say I thought I I did see some impact that star wars had on on culture for example the relationship between yoda and what's the other guy's name is it luke luke skywalker the lead yes 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's Miyagi. Yoda's Miyagi. Sure. Yeah, he was the. I mean, the, it's a tro- it's a trope because the Star Wars very closely follows the hero's journey. And if you go back to you know Joseph Campbell talking about outlining. Uh, it's all based off of like original myth and original storytelling and these character types of having the y- young hero call to action, having a experienced guru teacher teach them along the way. Uh, so, I mean, Star Wars very closely follows that hero- hero's journey almost to a T. So, yeah. I mean, the correlation between Yoda, even the way he speaks, like just like in such wise terms, yeah. short phrases that are like so wise, reminded me of like the the Miyagiisms. Did uh, did it bum you out that this one kind of ended on a downer? Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Did it? Yeah, you got Han frozen in carbonite at the end, and see, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you get uh, you know, a lot of. Uh, things getting betrayed, like the the heroes being betrayed by Lando. Everything's going on there, and uh, it's kind of you know the tri- it's a it's a contrast to the triumphant victory from the first movie or for episode yeah. four. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I guess it does make me eager to at least see the third one, which is episode six. Yeah, Return of the Jedi to see what how it all kind of transpires. But sci-fi is a, a difficult one for me to suspend my disbelief for i guess all right all right all right well, i'm just curious what you thought there you also were supposed to clean your office i think that was an ongoing goal but you're still you're not it's, there <laughs> you're still in a remote yeah, i'm still out of state out of state at an undisclosed area so and uh you st- i guess i haven't been we're there. supposed to start thinking huh? fast and slow i have it with me i have three or four books with me um I finished that other book that's kind of on the same topic, right. so I wanted to switch it up, and I'm, I'm reading "Designing Miracles" by Darwin Ortiz oh, right now. Great. Oh. You familiar with that one? Uh, you've you've uh, sung its praises to me, I believe. I did. No, or maybe it was a different Darwin Ortiz book. Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure, but uh, I th- you're, are you thinking of Danny D. Ortiz? Oh, maybe you're right. <laughs> those names. Two different. Those names are very similar to me. <laughs> Two different guys. Sure. Two different guys. Now this is a theory book on on designing gotcha. designing gotcha, miracles. Gotcha. I think you'd enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'm only a couple, few, three, four chapters in, yeah. but uh, yeah, definitely digging it. And uh, I finished my goals that I I finished the I'll get the title right this time. The Ben Sheehan book. OMG, WTF? Does the Constitution actually say? Uh, where it has the full text of the Constitution, but he puts it into normal speak. And adds a little uh, commentary throughout. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, he also has the Declaration of Independence at the end, which is great. Oh, wow. So the full Declaration of Independence, and then he rewrites it as a letter from, you know, America to King George. Uh, and, and while thinking about that, I was just like, this is like an epic breakup letter. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, but going through all the details of that, and then I watched um, the uh, the the Broadway show that was recorded on Amazon Prime, uh, "What the Constitution Means to Me," and I liked it. I liked it, uh, especially the ending where um, the lead Heidi uh, debates a. She she used to be in these Constitution debate competitions where they would take certain articles and have to apply it to their own lives, and then the judges would choose the winner. So she talks about how that. M- means to her now as uh much older in life but at the end of the the play she brings in a current uh teenager who is in these competitions and she debates them 
and they debate whether or not they each choose a side each night of uh, whether to keep the Constitution or abolish it. And they let the audience decide. And at the end of the Amazon Prime uh, recording that they did, they show all the stats of how many times people voted to keep the current Constitution and how many times to abolish it. So I thought it was very fascinating. So uh, check that out if you got Amazon Prime. Very cool. Yeah, I, I kind of want to hear a little bit more about that. Maybe on the next episode we can uh, dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Anything goals for next week? Uh, right now my main goal is to finish this podcast before I get booted off in 30 seconds from my recording device. All right. Because I'm doing it remotely. <laughs> How about you? Uh, yeah, I, I'll just say that's a good goal. Uh, uh, finish reading books. So I think that's our cue to end it. So uh, hit us up on all the social media at mind magic pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Shoot us an email. Uh, tell us uh, what parts of COVID you uh, want to keep or the results of COVID you want to keep uh, for the future after we get back to normal, uh, like those menu QR codes. Send us a riddle. Send us some trivia. Uh, that's it for us. I'm Eric Diddlebin. You're Matt Franco. I'm Matt Franco. <laughs> You're Matt Franco. I don't know. I threw a new ending at you. <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>